Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. My dream is to be able to provide artists whatever services they need a la carte instead of having to sign, you know, their life away to a label or to whatever. That's not to say that artists need to be doing everything, but maybe you just want to hire a publicist, for example, instead of needing to, you know, sign yourself to a label, waiting until they consider your priority and that's when they're going to assign a publicist for you. So for me, I truly believe in artist independence and how can we provide label services a la carte for them? So that's the dream. That's the ultimate dream. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I am Mike Veldhuis, business owner of the Dutch IT company Nalta and podcaster from the Netherlands. I just love the Women in Tech podcast by the talented Esprit Devora. It's made with passion and creativity. It gives insight into the world of inspirational women from all around the globe. But most of all, it's fun to listen to. Esprit Devora truly is the girl who gets it done. LinkedIn presents... Welcome to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech from around the world. What's going on, everyone? This is Felice Lze, and I am a producer, singer, songwriter, and entrepreneur, founder of my content production company, Sweet Spot Studios, and director of community and artist relations at Burble, a Web3 entertainment studio. I'm guest hosting for my good friend, Esprit Devora, and I am so excited to be here with you today chatting with Steph Guerrero, CMO at Legato Labs, a Web3 IP onboarding infrastructure that unlocks monetization for IP on the blockchain. I am super passionate about the Web3 space, so I love interviewing women in tech who are innovating in the Web3 space especially where music and technology intersect. So let's get into this conversation. All right, we are here with Steph Guerrero. I am so excited to speak with you, Steph. I feel like we've connected in so many different ways in Web3 uh, since bumping into each other on Twitter spaces. I think that all the Web3 um, ladies that I've brought onto this podcast, I've met in Twitter spaces probably except for Jack from Polygon because we met in person, <laughs> but mostly all on Twitter spaces. When we first met, you were at Telly and now you have a new company that you are a co-founder um, in. So I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about the company, what you're doing, and and then we'll just go from there. Sure thing. So I am excited. So I would say I'm almost a co-founder, not not quite, not officially, but um, definitely like one of the first employees for the company. Um, part of this company called Legato, and what we're doing is um, NFT licensing, basically. So we're allowing creators to license their intellectual property beyond just the sale of a basic NFT. So if they want to sell a sync license, add sync license, or even an aggregation license, any type of use. So you can keep monetizing that IP beyond that NFT sale. So that's that's the mission behind Legato. And as part of that, we've also launched this, uh, this thing called Robots TXT that allows you to also declare a default license for the NFTs you've already minted. And so that makes it very exciting for creators that have put their intellectual property on the blockchain and sometimes it just feels like you're letting it go drift in the sea without any control. This gives you back a little bit of control um, where you can tell everyone what the NFT holder actually is getting as far as uh, intellectual property with the NFT purchase. And if they, you know, and if you want to do it CC zero, then, you know, that's open for everyone. But if not, um, you're able to establish whether it's a personal use license or if you want to give like a non-commercial, uh, non-exclusive commercial, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's another project, part of the Legato Labs team. Wow. I'm okay. So as a 
musician, producer, songwriter myself. This is very, very exciting to me. I have so many questions, but I want to start with because we're just learning about you. And so there's a lot of music companies in Web3. There's a lot of different projects going on around music, um, but I haven't seen as that many that are doing things involved with um, licensing in this way. So what, if you could give us a little bit about your background and how, like, what, what gives you, what's, what's your background? How do you know, like, where, where, where are you coming from um, with all this licensing knowledge? Well, I come from just working at traditional labels and I know that uh, licensing and monetizing music has always been an issue since I started my career. Cause I started my career soon after the, the major attack of piracy that attacked music and basically devalued it down to zero. Um, and then what ended up happening is because music got valued down to zero, um, major copyright holders started kind of clawing back and trying to carve out some value for music. So it was, you know, pennies for streaming a little bit or, you know, even a couple cents for selling selling digital um, digital downloads. Still trying to sell some some physical. And so... That's that's kind of the world I come from professionally. But actually in college, where I went to school, part of the music business program was very much tied to royalty collection and how music is monetized. So I was very aware and I was taught very well, thankfully, um, about you know how there are performance rights and mechanical rights, and that's how music gets monetized, monetized and it's important for artists to register their copyright. And so performance royalties and, and royalties as a whole has been a whole big part of my of my career. I have been also at the forefront of, you know, these new innovations that come forward. You know, back in the day, I think we had um, YouTube. So it was YouTube. It was a big deal when they kind of got together with the labels and they said, we're going to create this thing called Vivo. And that's how all music video will be in the space. It was a huge renegotiation. And it took a long time for fans to get used to it, but also artists to get used to it. Um, you know, the the UX was never great um, having that system because artists did not have control of their own YouTube channels. It took a very, very long time for artists to get some control and be able to update these channels. Um, and that was, again, tied to the fact that we, the, the music industry as a whole was fighting for monetization. And so we gave up a lot of control for monetization. And so now that we've arrived at Web3, I feel like now we have a ton of control but the monetization only comes one way through the sale of NFTs. I know that's not sustainable for artists. Um, the residual income you made from a catalog is huge and it's very important. I'm sure all artists would like to retire at some point. Um, you can only tour for so long. That's kind of why I, I, I ended up in, in licensing because I did see that there were licensing solutions, but they were either not in a blockchain that was accessible for everyone um, or all of these were marketplaces. And I know there are other solutions where people can go and license music if they want to, but what if you just like an artist and you just want to license their music? Like, how can we remove that barrier? And so that's what I'm excited about, what we're building at Legato Labs. So do you think that digital collectibles or um, however it's packaged in, in, in a digital form of music, utilizing blockchain technology, whether it be NFTs, um, do you think that that's almost like mechanicals again? Like we're getting back to like physical, like uh, royalties in a sense, but it's digital um, versus it being like streams or what, what do you, what do you kind of like see in terms of, you know, what, with what you you all are planning, how that's, how are you looking at that? Yeah, I think it's very interesting, right? Because so for example, let's talk about like streaming on the blockchain Generally, what happens is no matter where you go, whatever aggregation system, OpenSea, you know, a, a streaming aggregation service, whatever, what they're doing is they have to generate a local copy of it to stream it, to make it easily streamable. Um, they can't just stream from the blockchain because it takes too long. There's too much. It, it's just a horrible user experience. So in theory, if you're streaming on the blockchain, then you are creating a copy, a mechanical copy even though it's digital. Um, so that's that's just like my personal opinion. However, you know, and the same the same could be said for traditional streaming platforms, um, but they've argued very, very well that it's actually a performance uh, royalty. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I think I think it's interesting to see how, how things kind of shake out. Um, 
the music industry is famous for doing um, basically policy by lawsuit. Um, so I'm hoping we don't get to that point. I hope I'm hoping we actually resolve these things amicably. You know, the music industry was was able to kind of cut deals with TikTok and all the other social networks eventually instead of getting getting in a heated lawsuit. So I'm hoping we can do that before, but but we'll see. We'll see what the what the industry decides. No, it's fascinating. And I'm so glad you all are getting into tackling this because it's better to get ahead of it and start creating the structures so that when, like you said, the the big box machines start coming in, we don't need to figure this out through uh, the fire of lawsuits. (laughs) And we can just have like, this is kind of, we have a structure that's working here. Um, But you know, to bring it back to the tech, I think that what's really cool about what you're doing is you're solving problems that I think um, have been a problem for a while and have needed a tech solution to streamline the whole process. I mean, with like, I still, I just did the uh, Grammy mentor program where I was a mentor and I had a mentee. It was my first time. And the mentee asked me which uh, pro she should go with. And I said, you know, when I was deciding the, and I asked a very, a hit songwriter, which one, they didn't have any sort of scientific way to choose. It wasn't because we don't really know which, you know, how they're actually calculating these 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 royalties <laughs> so it's like it seems ridiculous right so it's just kind of like well who's which artists are on that pro that you i mean there's really no like strategic other than like relationship wise way way to choose and so i think what you guys what you all are doing is creating a solution that should have been found a long time ago but maybe it couldn't be found because we didn't have um blockchain technology but that brings me to the next question. So obviously, you know, you're in tech now. What brought you over here from the traditional music industry? I think I always wanted to work in tech. I think that's always been sort of the dream for me, um, but always with music. I have worked in music all of my life and then somehow tied in technology. When I was 10 years old, my dad slowly started giving me the parts to my computer to put together. Um, and I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like fusing things together i was he literally gave me a motherboard like you know a, a, a visuals card like those, those type of things and i kind of put it together and then once i had it he said okay figure out how to connect it to the internet you're off um i don't recommend any parents do this to their children because when i was a child it was a much different time and is the internet was a lot more innocent but that was fun for me and so i really love technology but at the same time i always love music and um yeah and i think my dream was always to work on the tech side of things The biggest thing is that, uh, love it or hate it, I feel like the music industry is just um, very, uh, very political. And there's a lot of toxicity that comes with it, you know, and there's a lot of expectation of work more, 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 more. And then, you know, as a, and then your like personal life suffers or your family life suffers. And I didn't realize that I was already giving so much of my life. I thought, you know, because I had a son, I thought when I had my first son, that I would claim a little bit of my life back, but I could immediately tell that it was affecting me professionally. I could tell also that politically, I just, I wasn't willing to play certain games anymore. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to do that um, because I realized how terrible it was, not just for me, but then for other people that were kind of coming up, um, how we were, you know, how increasingly the, the goal was to bring in more entry-level people at lower and lower and lower rates. Um, and that just wasn't my thing. You know, I just, it, it wasn't about it. Not, that's not to say that the tech industry does not suffer of these things. Of course it does, but it's a little more transparent in the sense that there are performance reviews that are kind of, you know, easy, easy to stick to. There are like professional structures that are very visible. And also there's a lot of startup opportunity. You know, there's, it feels like there's a more free flow of ideas um, of things like this is an issue. How can we solve it? You know, I, you know, like I can, I can say a crazy idea, which I don't think is possible. And I think it's kind of risky and I don't know if it's going to ruffle some feathers, but there's no fear of um, being ridiculed or made, made, made to feel that, you know, that I am crazy for thinking that. And so I think that's, that's kind of why I made the shift, but actually the shift was a little bit imposed on me. I wanted to work in tech. I had already been interviewing with a few companies. It just didn't work out. Um, I had a personal thing happen to me. Um, I lost my grandfather to cancer and it was in the middle, like, it was just the perfect storm of situations of this was happening as, you know, where I was working as, I was having a restructure. Um, so I just, 
you know, I decided, you know, this is a sign from the universe for me. I need, I need to take a break. I need to go be with my grandfather. And I was able to have that, you know, and I, I don't think I would have been able to have that if I was still working. I think I would have, I would have kind of halfway worked, halfway been there for him and not really enjoy that time on, on the last days that I was going to have with my grandfather. And so after that, while I was, you know, having this whole situation with my grandfather, I was interviewing still for tech jobs. And then I just like, you know, once he was gone, it was like a bomb went off and I was like, I need time. I'm going to stop, reflect. And that was a great time for me to sit and realign my priorities because I was very much stuck on the, like, the, the chain of like constant releases every Friday, everyone optimized for massive consumption. How can we get playlist playlist placement? How can we, you know, work best for the algorithm? Um, even my A&R brain thinking was like, how can you get collaboration so that you can get more monthly listeners so you can, and it didn't feel, it didn't feel natural. And I wasn't enjoying music because I was enjoying it. I was enjoying it because I saw it give me numbers. And so when I took this break, I disconnected. I stopped listening to the music that I was listening to because I was working where I was working. And I literally just discovered music that I loved. And that was this most amazing kind of like eureka moment that I had. And I was like, I don't care what it is at that point. I was like, I don't, I'm sure that I'm not going to make as much money as I was making before I left, but there's something here. And there's, there's um, a craft um, and a musicianship to everyone I met that was different that, you know, that kind of made me think like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anything else happens. Like this, this means something. And then, you know, the fact that it was on the tech side of things was just like a bonus. You know, I always wanted to do it anyway. So now I'm here. I've said this before in on this podcast, like it's it's so interesting, the winding roads we we go down to get to where we end up. Um, but it sounds like you from the beginning, like you said, you were interested in both sides of um, tech and music. Were you a musician at all as well? So, yeah, I studied vocal performance. I was never, that was never my thing. Like I could do it, you know, I could get in shape and I was very kind of methodical about it. Like I need to, like, if I do these squats, if I do this, like if I can get my voice to resonate in my face, it's going to be loud. And I was very methodical about it, but I didn't enjoy performing. I got horrible anxiety and I would just be covered in sweat every time I performed. And I was just like, this is not like, I'm not enjoying it. I could tell that other people could tell that I was not enjoying it. So it was just not a thing. Um, and now I just kind of do it for my kids, you know, kind of thing. And I'm sure if someone were to ask me, Hey, can you sing this really quickly? I'd do it. My husband somehow wrote me into sing a mass for his grandmother when she passed away. And I could tell it was out of shape. And I was like, in, inside of me, I was like, this is not, no, this is not good because it was not my methodical kind of way of singing. But yeah, for me, it's more like a, like a functional thing rather than like something I enjoy or art creating art. I, I, but I love hearing the the this the ways that people who work in uh, music who are not necessarily practicing, you know, musicians every day, um, how they get called into this into this career. You know, it's another. It's kind of like your your art is 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 on the either business or 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 licensing side of things. What what how did you know that like music was your calling in terms of what you wanted to dedicate your life to just, you know, in the way that you dedicate it, um, dedicate your life to it? Um, I think it was just because I did I did go to music school and so I was around all these musicians and that was it just felt like I could I saw that it could make an impact, not just, you know, in the sense of, you know, let's build a superstar, but like it was, I, we were actually causing change and things were being talked about that, that weren't um, being talked about before. Um, I could tell how you could move someone with, with a specific performance. And so that, that kind of felt important. Um, I did try moving into other sides of entertainment. You know, I did work in TV, like in sports specifically, and while that was great, it just did not, I just didn't feel that connection that I felt like when I work with musicians, like with musicians, I could tell that there was something just primal and a connection there that it just, it just meant more. It reached more people. I don't know anyone ever in the world that tells me they don't listen to music. I think it just, I, I don't know. It was, it was just, I, I can't tell what it is, but it's this instinct. And, and I love feeling and being around people that I, that, are doing something that's bigger than themselves. And that happens often with music. 
So um, what you keep saying when you went to school, which school did you go to? Oh, I went to the University of Miami. I was really involved with the Audio Engineering Society in college and um, University of Miami was always a fun group of uh, students at the student events during the conferences <laughs> from the engineering school. Yeah, they, ha- they I know they have a great program there. For you, how, when in, I mean, did you have family or friends in the industry or was that kind of your route of like connecting with people through school or organizations? No, not at all. And I recognize that the music industry does have a lot of nepotism because I did meet a lot of like sons of, daughters of. So I didn't have that. I literally was just a loud mouth. Um, So at UM, we had these um, forums every week and we would have people kind of come and speak. And I would always ask questions. Like I was always always asking questions and and I did that. And I, um, that's basically how this one person was like, I think you'd be a great intern. Like come meet with us. I'll hire you as an intern. That was actually my second internship because before that I did an internship at Universal and that I just, I literally applied and by the luck of the gods, I got it. Um, but the second one, I was just literally being a loudmouth. And then while I was at that internship, I, um, I basically, I realized that they didn't have like a digital marketing kind of thing going on, at least not like a formal one. So I walked into the door of the director of marketing and I said, Hey, I think you need someone to do digital stuff and social media. Like, I know how to do this. I've been doing it in my school. Um, hire me. And I don't know how, I mean, I obviously it was a made up job. Um, so they, they, it was not a great salary, but that's how I got hired. And, you know, I ended up being there for three years and it was, it was great. I learned a ton. I also connected a ton with a ton of people. I literally was cold sending LinkedIn messages because I, I didn't have connections at the social networks. You know, I just, you just kind of have to do what you have to do. So I learned a ton, but yeah, that's, that's how I ended up getting a job. I was not, I did not have any, any, uh, relatives, but I did work with a lot of, a lot of relatives between each other. And I did, I did one of the reasons why I I ended up, uh, leaving, um, my first job was, was primarily because I, I felt a little kind of like nepotism was taken over. So, um, so yeah, I do, I do recognize that. And I, and I don't, I don't deny it. I think it's just fact of life now. Oh yeah, it's definitely that's a huge part of the entertainment industry overall. But it's it's it is it is a you know for people that are um, you know tr- just wanting to get into the industry into the entertainment industry, um, it, it it can be a little daunting. And that I totally can relate to you on that because I was in the same um, same boat. Did you have any mentors or anyone that kind of helped you, especially as a woman? I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean the whole being a woman in the entertainment it's i mean tech entertainment but especially entertainment it's the 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 toxic masculinity that goes on in some of those spaces is intense so how did you like you know navigate did you have anyone who helped you who supported you um i'm going to be honest it sucks um it should be better as a person who has been in the industry for 10 years i personally feel responsible i feel like i should have done more to make it better I did have a mentor, um, a few mentors actually, um, that were women that were great and they would, they were very honest with me. And that, that was to me, the most refreshing thing is that they were very honest with me. They told me, this is what I want. This is what I need. But I saw them, I saw them grinding and not become a VP for seven or eight years. You know, when they were bringing in to the company money, like real money, they were bringing into the company. So that was, you know, that was, uh, that was frustrating to see. And that, and that's the truth. You know, the truth is that I've seen C-level executives still get called nicknames by by male executives. You know what I mean, and and not not you know like respectful. And this, this still happens. It's it sucks. Um, unfortunately, there aren't systems to make women feel safe. I a hundred percent of the time, there's not a, a true reporting kind of system. Um, and there's you know unfortunately, there's still like a boys club where they cover each other up for for things that happen. And what is worse too is that sometimes women are participate participating in this whole like toxic masculinity because they feel like since I had it shitty, therefore you must have it shitty. And I just I don't believe in that personally. Um, I believe in making things better. I'm gonna be honest. I still feel like it's it's still toxic. It's not the greatest. It's tough to be women in the entertainment industry. That's also another reason why I wanted to step into the tech side because I feel like in the tech side it's a it's a little maybe more acceptable to talk about it or there's enough people around that will shame kind of behavior um it's not to say it's perfect again 
unfortunately the the world is kind of like stacked a little bit against uh women at this at this point in time but yeah i yeah it it does suck um so i, I had i had those mentors i was also really good at friending the right guys in the company that i know would go to bat for me and so sometimes and it sucked to have to do this but i would say hey what do you think of this idea? Do you think it's great? Okay, I'm going to present it and I need you to back me up or I need you to repeat it later so that it'll get done because otherwise it wouldn't get done. And so um, so I, it was a mix of like having really great mentors. I had a a great mentor. Um, she's over there at, um, at um, Warner Chapel now um, and she's a brilliant, brilliant person. Um, but then, you know, these guys that were kind of like in my team and were kind of backing me up and and, and that helps too. It's not a perfect solution. And for guys, it works great too. Because for them, it's like, hey, I'm going to look great. It's going to look like I presented a great idea. You know, but it, but it sucks. It's just, that's that's how it is, unfortunately. How did you kind of deal with that mentally for yourself? Because uh, I think that's like one of those things too um, that I, I think we have to, as women, really pass that along to each other is like, you know, taking care of your mental health and taking care of yourself along the way when you're dealing with those types of situations. What did, what do you kind of, what did you kind of do to overcome and feel, get through that, get through those um, situations? Unfortunately, I think the last one, I just burnt myself out. I let it kind of eventually take over. The biggest one is I would just compartmentalize. I would just say, this is this, this is how it is. At the end of the day, am I getting what I need to get done done? And that's all that matters. Um, is this artist succeeding? Great. That's all that matters. Um, that's that's what I did. Um, but I think the pandemic and working from home certainly gave me a lot of time to think things over. And so um, I would say towards the end, I was definitely kind of like on my wit's end of, of what I could withstand with, with that toxic environment. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, it's in, like you said, it's becoming more out in the open, which is good. Um, we have a, a ways to go, but it's good. Um, and I, I do agree. I think it's a little calmer in the tech space. There's still some bro culture going on, but how do you think like, you know, the entertainment industry prepared you for the tech industry? You know, you kind of have to be one of the guys in the entertainment industry. Like it's either you're one of the guys or you will not be respected like that's honestly what it is unfortunately it it sucks because sometimes you just want to be you know like a woman and talk about womanly things and and it kind of sucked that I felt like I needed to hide who I was as a woman um in exchange for just being like you know aggressive and being assertive and kind of so I feel like that kind of way of thinking like the fact that I needed to know about things that maybe I didn't really care about that much um help me in the tech world because all of a sudden I knew about all these little like these little things to participate in and kind of to be able to banter like as one of the guys that that certainly helped um the other thing is I feel like I did a lot of education myself about like inclusivity what that meant and so that I became really self-aware about these things that were going on um and to talk about it in a way that was that was serious, but at the same time, lighthearted, that it didn't feel like, you know, everyone, like I was like shaming people, you know? Um, and so that those bits of things, I think they, they helped me because even though I feel like I'm more outspoken in the tech world than I am in, in, in the music world, um, I, I feel like it's kind of like remove the sting of things. I'm also not afraid. I'm not as afraid. I feel like now that I'm kind of on my own, really, because I am working with Legato Labs, but um, <clears throat> but it feels like I'm more on my own and independent, so I'm a little freer to speak and say what I need. Uh, so those those things certainly help. And I think a lot of things you also learn through just being, you know, just having a long career. It doesn't. I don't think it matters whether or not if it was in the music industry or not. I'm not afraid to fail. Like, if I fail, I fail. If I make a mistake, I make a mistake. Um, Someone calls me out and making a mistake. I say, you're right. I messed up, you know, because, and I don't, I know that that's not the end of my world or my career or my credibility because we're very complex creatures that have many more things to us. And I would hope now I know that people don't judge you on the worst moment of your life or your career. They judge you basically on a collective of everything that you're doing. So I think those things and having that perspective certainly helps moving in, in the tech tech world. Yeah, I mean, I can totally relate to just kind of being one of the guys 
I, I feel that too. And like, even like when we were talking about Twitter spaces, um, I feel like it, that, that skill of knowing how to be kind of in the studio and just be one of the guys really helps. Um, but it shouldn't have to be that way. I mean, unless you want to be down with the bro culture, which, you know, in some ways, I mean, I mean, I, I was an athlete growing up, so there's, there's those things that, you know, like you, you, you can maybe relate on certain levels, but yeah, you're right. Like we should be able to just be, you know, also be in our womanness when we want to be when we want to be in our womanness um do you yourself like find yourself mentoring other women now who are going through the same things yeah and i and i love it um it's so crazy because i had like we i had like a little group chat when i was working on my last job and i've always had like little group chats little kind of like looks across the room where you say these things but even now i feel like if anybody were to reach out to me and say hey can you like tell me like, this is what I'm going through. Like how, how, what are your suggestions? Like immediately I will take that call no matter what, like, it doesn't matter. I will figure out, let's find 15 minutes or something and, and talk about it. Um, I am excited. I'm actually on the Grammy mentorship program. And it's interesting because I, I thought I was going to get, um, a female mentee, but I got a male. So let's see what happens. I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, a lot of my interns too have been males, um, and not necessarily, not, I think it's just kind of like the luck of the draw that's happened because I've I have had female interns and they've all been fantastic, but it's just uh, I, I find that those the relationships with with um, with some of my male interns kind of last a little longer simply because I just again I feel like it's it's not it's not because they're male it's just because society fortunately like favors the bold and men tend to be, be a little more bold. And that's something that's hard to like mentor into someone to tell them like, just be bold, just ask for things, just go for it. Um, Cause it's, it's really difficult. I mean, even I, I struggled with that when I was starting, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how to ask for things, you know, and then having asked for like a budget and having it get rejected, you know, two or three times, it makes you feel like maybe I shouldn't even ask for any more budgets, you know, let me figure out how to do this without a budget. Um, and so the, those are kind of like the things that, um, that I've realized just, you know, moving, moving, moving in, in, in my career. So I would say, yeah, if I had any other kind of female kind of mentees, I would say, um, be more bold because men don't think about all these things. Um, they really don't. Um, and so just, just go for it. That's so, so true. Um, I wish, I wish I had had that little voice in my head when I was, you know, first starting out to just be more bold um, because it, it, it is intimidating. I mean, it's it can be really, really intimidating. But, you know, that's interesting that you bring up um, having mostly male interns um, and now a male mentee um, and woohoo Grammy U program. Um, is this your first time this this semester or the or? Yeah, this is my first time being a mentor. I've never done it before, but I was in the Grammy U program and they didn't have the mentorship kind of situation. That they they, have they didn't have it when I was there either. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they didn't. Um, but it was cool because I got to go to like concerts and check out like fun things. So that was fun. That's so cool. So with, with having because the same thing happens to me. I don't know. I end up getting a lot of male interns, like you said, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, you're, you're, you're right on point with that, with um, being bold and things like that. Ladies be bold. Um, but when you, what do you find as you're being, being a mentor to a um, male person in the industry, do you kind of approach it with also like to help them understand how to navigate with, with around women, not around women, but with women align themselves with women? Yeah, I definitely do. I think I like, I might be brainwashing a little bit um, and saying like, hey, like, <laughs> no, be... not brainwashing. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely do. I definitely tell them to be more aware of this. And I say like, look, like when we step out of a meeting, I say like, look, this is exactly my thought process of what happened. And this is why this made me uncomfortable. Um, but I didn't say anything. And a lot of times I would get feedback like, oh, I would have never known. And I'm like, well, that just tells you to be a little more self-aware because Women are not going to share these things. And we're, and this is the thing that, that a lot of men uh, who have in my mentees get kind of shocked or like my interns, they get shocked when they say they don't realize that like women are doing a mental calculus of how to say this more, the most um, kind and kind of like um, soft landing way um, so that, you know, whoever's receiving this information isn't being threatened. So 
Um, so that was interesting for me to learn that like men are never doing that calculus. The fact that like, you know, men are just um, unafraid to participate in certain things or to go to speak with people. You know, like I'm already a socially anxious person to begin with, but and then add the layer of like being a woman, like it makes it so challenging for me to sometimes bring things up. Um, so that has been interesting for me to see. And I have learned from my interns that too, you know, like because a lot of them um, tend to be male as like, oh, I see that they're not afraid to speak up. I'm not afraid to speak up. So let me, let me speak up. Um, and at the same time, I also taught them like learn to read the room, be aware of things, be very, very aware of what's going on uh, with the women in the room. And if you do see that a woman gets interrupted, like it, it's really helpful for you as a guy to say, Hey, like, let's let her finish. Because those are things like, those are the allies that we need in the room as women as well. And so it helps to have kind of a new generation of executives that is a little more self-aware this way. I love this actually. Actually, I think they sh that that should be more uh, a purposeful uh, pair up um, for mentorship. You know, I think that's actually really important now that I think about it. I mean, women definitely need to be mentored by other women, but maybe it's just good. I think overall to see both perspectives, because I, I feel like I've also learned a lot from men. And like you said, like not not to say that we need to be like men all the time, but there are certain things like that we as women sometimes do like you said to overthink that it's 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 oftentimes like it's not that much there's not that much calculus that needs to be done it can just 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 say it like nobody's going to be affected you know um and 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 take the word sorry out of the, our vocabulary <laughs> because we don't need to say sorry for anything i actually like purposely just say apologies and i know it's still saying sorry but for me it feels like I, it it feels a little less like i'm i'm so sorry for this <laughs> someone told me this and it's like the best advice i've ever gotten like replace sorry with thank you so instead of saying like sorry for being late say thank you for waiting for me um you know that type of thing um because you know it's still you're still being polite you're still being kind but at the same time you, you're not kind of like putting yourself beneath you know the other situation so i'm trying to be more intentional about it but yes but um but i think that was like a great way of kind of like flipping it for me that's life changing right there. Um, that is like that is the sound bite right there, at least for me, because <laughs> I mean that I did. You just you just taught me something right now. I love these talks because it's just like we have to we have to help each other stop making you know, making things comfortable for everybody else all the time. I think that's something that I think that's where that that need to say sorry comes from. I love that. I'm going to say thank you. Thank you. Flip it. I love it. Um, wh what are some obstacles that or not some? What is one obstacle in particular that you've overcome? And how did you overcome it? You know, I feel like an obstacle I had, at least at my last my last position, was that I, for some reason, I just couldn't relate to a lot of the women in the office. And the issue was that I, exactly, I was like denying this woman, my womanhood or my femininity in favor of kind of focusing on my career and being respected and being treated right. And, um, and it was really hard. I mean, that was very, very difficult because what ended up happening is women got this impression that I was just not interested in talking to them. There was a lot of toxic femininity also happening in the office. Like there was a lot of like body shaming going on and all of that. And I was just, for me, my, the, my response that I was just completely shut down, do not engage, like move to another um, topic uh, or another room even. Um, and so for me, I just, I had this mental battle of like, whether or not I, like who, who I was. And I just had like a huge identity crisis, you know, like who am I? And then eventually I ended up getting, you know, pregnant and I was going to have a baby. And so then I had like a true, like, basically identity shock i'm like who, who who am i like really like am i going to be a mother and you know like am i a woman um what does this mean am i betraying things am i going to be a terrible mother because i'm just not identifying with my feminine side or the women in the office so basically i guess just becoming a mother is what really helped me um understand it because it, it definitely put in perspective i realized that i didn't have to play this game so it didn't feel authentic to me um you know, I could, I could still continue to be who I was and be an ally to those women. And at the same time, set boundaries, you know, that didn't make me feel safe. You know, if I don't, I'm not going to play the body shaming game, but you know, like I'm still going to help you further your career and I'm still going to be a mentor to you. Like I can do that 
I just don't need to participate in this other thing. So yeah, I think becoming a parent definitely helped me put things in perspective because I realized that, um, you know, everyone is messy and, and not everyone is just one thing. And so this is how, how I move forward. It's like, I can relate with you in other aspects that don't necessarily mean that um, I'm going to betray who I am as a person. And so the way I overcame it is through motherhood. I think that every probably big change in our life like that kind of changes us, our perspective on things. I mean, and ultimately like bringing a human into the world <laughs> is a whole perspective change. But I that was interesting, the term that you used, um, toxic femininity. I, I know exactly what you mean. There's and, and I almost feel like um, not to put blame it all on, all on the guys, but I also kind of feel like it's like a, a reaction to toxic, toxic masculinity. Um, and it's this thing that happens, especially in um, industries where there's just a lot of men, which is most industries, but especially like entertainment industry. I don't know if it's as much in tech, but um, that whole thing of women kind of almost it's like survival of the fittest. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't understand why do you think, I mean, you know, why do you think that, that we end up doing that to, I mean, I don't end up doing, I've always been super kind and actually that's always been like a problem too sometimes, <laughs> you know, cause people take, take that as weakness, but I don't understand why women do that. Um, and it's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. It's this weird thing of like, either we're competing with each other or we're competing to be the better servant to the like toxic males in the office which again then it just it, i feel like it, it's just the such unhealthy way of participating and then we expect each other to behave a certain way right so then if when i challenge a male the behavior of other women instead of being like good you know which there were women who, who would do that um sometimes it's like oh i can't believe you said that like you shouldn't say that you know what i mean um and so i feel like I feel like it's just honestly a result of like basically the patriarchy, you know, and toxic masculinity. It's like they're women get rewarded and they say like, once you have proximity to like, you know, masculinity or proximity to this, then you feel like you are more entitled for that. And that's what ends up happening. You know, like men make women compete against each other. And so therefore the one that wins, the woman that wins or whatever, she feels like she's got proximity to that privilege but she doesn't truly have that privilege. And so when you take a step back, whether or not you won or you lost, and you realize that this the situation between me and this other woman is is not going to change things, um, what's truly going to change is if we both work together to, to change policy, then then things, things will become better. But unfortunately, there's a lot of like inroads being made already in this kind of world and the way it exists that it's hard to challenge it. Um, I think it's coming though. I really, really truly believe in the younger generations. I think Gen Z is like amazing, everything that they're achieving. I don't think, you know, and I, I think they're entitled to have their own opinions and do their own things. And I, I really am hopeful for Generation Z and the generation after that. And I think they're gonna continue to change the world because it's been happening like generationally, little by little things are changing. Maybe not as fast as we would like, but I do see it happening. I totally agree. I feel like each generation is getting less afraid to just say what's going on and and say this is not right. And um, and that's what I was going to ask next. Like, what do you think? What do you think is going to change the culture? But I think that you're right. Like, it's. I think it's just the. I think it's the exposure, right? The the constant the exposure and and just rebuilding and, and to bring it back to, you know, web three and that, that space. Um, I think that that's, what's kind of cool about the space, right. Is like, it, it seems like there's a, there's a culture shift in terms of, um, the, the, the whole thing being rebuilt from the ground up versus from the, the skyscraper down. <laughs> right. What are your dreams and hopes for Legato and just overall for your career moving forward? I just want to be able to help artists kind of stay independent. And my dream is to be able to provide artists whatever services they need a la carte instead of having to sign, you know, their life away to a label or to whatever. That's not to say that artists need to be doing everything, but maybe you just want to hire a publicist, for example, instead of 
needing to, you know, sign yourself to a label, waiting until they consider you a priority. And that's when they're going to sign a publicist for you. So for me, I truly believe in artist independence and how can we provide label services a la carte for them? So that's the dream. That's the ultimate dream. For Legato, I actually, I just want people who want to license music to be able to license it. Um, I know right now, if you make your wedding video, you can put whatever song you want. Um, but then if you want to put that on YouTube, you can because you need that particular audio. So I would love for you to be able to license it. Like, you know, let's say, you know, your artist is going to charge you $5 to license it to use it in the wedding video that's going to be used privately or maybe upload it to, to, a, to a YouTube account. Like, that's going to be watched by five people. Like, like let, let that happen. I also feel like, you know, music supervisors are often discovering music and they're not licensing the music that they want because it's, you know, it's too hard to get a hold of all the songwriters or it's, um, you know, it's not, it's it's in a list that you know, with a company that's never going to license it to them so i just i want anyone who needs to license anything to be able to do it with like just a click of a button and that's hopefully what we're going to get to with legato even with images even in google images you know you i know you can look for creative commons or whatever but what if you want to license it for like a commercial use there isn't really much to do that you can do that unless it's part of a library it's very difficult for you to find it so I just want anyone who wants to be able to license something to just like literally find it really easily and and make the money because what's happening now is a lot of money is being left on the table. I have seen music videos being shot in the house, but there's a beautiful painting in the background, but they because they couldn't get a hold of that of that painter or artist, they basically just take it down and that painter could have made a few hundred bucks, which that all adds up, you know, and so I feel like those are all opportunities that are being missed. So I don't want anyone to leave money on the table and to just be able to make money through licensing. You brought up such a good point because that brings in like, there's so many, there's so many emerging technologies. Cause what you just brought up is like, you know, AI, the, you know, face, not, not necessarily facial recognition, but just image recognition, like all those kinds of things um, should not be so difficult to track and keep track of. And it's, it's, it's almost archaic that, we're still in 2023 having these types of issues where you can't just click, like you should just be able to put all the writers of a song into a database and it just be there. And so um, are you all thinking about that too? Like in terms of not just music, but also for other types of licensable content? Yeah. We want any type of IP that you want to license. Um, patents are probably going to be like the most difficult one. But like anything, trademarks, yeah, we want to do trademarks, um, visual arts, audio, video, you know, someone wants to license a clip, you know, there's so many, there's so much great B-roll, I feel like on the internet right now that people might want to use for something else. Um, and you can't use it because it's part of someone's profile, um, but it might work. Or how many times have you seen or have you seen someone who videotapes something and they put it on Twitter and then immediately there's like news companies reaching out to them like we would like to use this can we please use it can we please get authorization like how easy would it be if that person were to say like hey just license it for me it's i don't know five dollars whatever it is that the person wants to use it for the the newscast and if you can get it you know licensed for a very low cost hey that's you know maybe that buys you dinner that day and that that helps you out um for 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 now or or you know maybe enough newscasts get a hold of it and and you can buy yourself something nicer but i think that people should be able to monetize their content no matter where they put it. I love it. And I think that that's what's also cool uh, for for those listening that are not into Web3 yet. Um, and no, and, you know, that's the, that wasn't a, like a threat, threatening, <laughs> threatening statement. Um, I just think that, you know, one of the easiest things to understand is that it's not a platform. It's an ecosystem of technologies that can be integrated into so many applications like what you what you all are building. Uh, so many different platforms can utilize that technology. Um, and that's just so, so cool. Um, what is one of the biggest things that you've learned about yourself along this journey? So I used to think that if I didn't have a formal job, then I wasn't anything. Um, and I have learned that I am something of value, um, that I have a ton of value myself, just myself by through my experience, what I've learned, but also my way of thinking. So I think the biggest thing I've learned is that I am something without like a formal job title and a career. I can be whatever I want to be. 
I love it. Yeah, we're in a new world. Um, you can really define yourself however you want to define yourself. It's amazing. Are there any particular women that inspire you? Currently, I'm super inspired still by Latasha. I feel like what she's done and what she's built is just out of this world. Um, amazing. And then I recent, most recently, I'm very inspired by Rihanna. I think the fact that she did that performance pregnant is huge. Having been pregnant myself twice and the second time being a lot kind of rougher on my body um, and the fact that she's doing it so close back to back, I know that it's not easy what she's doing and it's amazing. So she was very inspiring in what she did. And um, I'm also going to say that Beyonce is truly inspiring just because the amount of grace that she has after everything that she's been through and um having kind of always been put in an othered category um it just it takes so much i feel like energy and um of herself and the fact that she's able kind of still to to have so much grace with it is just incredibly inspiring absolutely i think that that's just she that she epitomizes the um the the type of uh grace you have to have to get through all the things that we talked about <laughs> today. Um, and, and for anyone that was listening and you said Latasha, Latasha is a web three artist um, who actually is very much um, uh, sums up what I was saying in terms of being an artist executive. Um, and that's what I, that's the path I'm on now. And I, I think it's such a cool, a cool thing um, that, and the other women that you mentioned are on are the same thing actually they are they are also artist executives i just think that um we don't have to wait to be a mega 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 star to do that now i think that you can you you can you can do it um you can be an entrepreneur and and that's like under, it's understandable now people understand that path now thank you for highlighting those powerful women what is your favorite book it's going to be so funny, but I feel like still my favorite book is Matilda from when I was a kid. I just love how she was just like able to like harness her mind to like build her own world. And, you know, there's a book, a great parenting book called The Whole Brain Child. So both of those two books, I think, are great. They made me realize that um, that sometimes we just don't think with our whole brain, you know, like we're just like too focused and we lose it. So those are the two two books, I think, that are that are favorite of mine. I love it. I haven't read the whole brain. You said whole brain child. Yeah, the whole brain child. It's basically a new. So it's kind of like the start of thinking of as uh, no punishment parenting, and it's it's called uh, gentle parenting. I think it's what it's called. I forget what the term is, but um, the idea is to just kind of like meet your children where they're at. Um, as they're growing, they don't know how to navigate their emotions, so it certainly helps you. And it, it's made me realize too that like maybe I didn't have these skills growing up, and so I needed to kind of like go back and make those connections myself um so it's a great book that makes you think that like you know tantrums are not necessarily an attack on you sometimes they kind of mean that like you lose you've kind of lost it and and you need to kind of just reconnect with yourself and so it's just a great book um on parenting but also like i feel like for for people to just think about how how their reactions to certain things sometimes just mean something more primal rather than you know exactly what's happening yeah, it's a programming that happens from a very young age to be reactionary. Um, and I love that you brought up Matilda because I think that she also epitomizes like that powerful <laughs> woman <laughs> that we, we were talking about. Um, she definitely could uh, uh, navigate through entertainment and tech um, industries, um, probably when she her fictional character is an adult, not a kid. But yes, I digress. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite uh, podcast or video series? favorite okay so i i really love succession as a video series um just because i feel like it kind of um validates a lot of like the the, the thinking that i had you know that even though there is nepotism in the world that i was working on there's like still infighting in that and, and just makes me feel like okay this is messier everything is messier than it seems um and it also helps me to see um I feel like sometimes we overestimate it. We give a lot of credit to these people that have done these things um, or they've amassed a lot of wealth and we think, oh, they must be geniuses. Um, and then you realize that like everyone's just as messy. Like we're just basically all the same. Um, so that's a great series. And then 
for podcasts, I just love Radio Lab. Like that's just like my kind of like homey thing. I learned so much about so very many different things. I've learned about, you know, like gonads, for example, and how there's male and female gonads. I've learned, you know, about, you know, the the alpha gal protein and why some people are allergic to it. Um, and I just I love learning new things. So like podcast radio lab is just kind of like my my homey thing and sometimes you just need to listen to something that's not like music industry and what three related and so that works for me i'm so here for that like we have to i mean i i felt like for a minute i was only reading non-fiction books um especially over the pandemic just doing you know self-improvement not necessarily self-improvement but just like learning things in general to self-improve my 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 brain and things but it comes to a point where you just need to read a good old-fashioned fiction and and or or watch a good old-fashioned you know fictional show and just unplug <laughs> that's really important yeah um what's your best resource for tech so I love the Water and Music um, website, um, specifically for for music tech. Um, the website is great. The Discord that they have is amazing. It was started by uh, a woman, Cherie, uh, who, uh, who or Hugh, um, and she's just, she's brilliant. Everything she's done, the investigative efforts that get done there are amazing. And everything she does, every time she pipes in or, or kind of puts everything out, it's just, it's just genius. And I love having women of color kind of being um, the leaders in, in these things. And, and they've done a really great job. So, yeah, water music. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out because me too. Me too. 100%. Um, I know we didn't even get into you, your Latinaness in this in this, in this this conversation. I can't believe we did it. We went so deep into women. We just went. But, yeah, they'll have to be a part two conversation. Um, but... Uh, what's your favorite hobby? I don't know if this is a hobby, but my husband and I, we really love going to Disney World a lot. Um, and so we've taken our Florida. kids <laughs> a lot. Yeah, we are in Florida. And we just, I went a lot when I was a kid. My parents took me when I was a week old. Um, and I just, it's just good to go and feel the magic. And I've taken my kids and I've just, we've become like experts at optimizing the experience too. So we often book. You know, we get um, like fun character reservations now that we have kids. When we were just my husband and I just going, we wouldn't do any of the character stuff, but like the kids love the characters. So we've become just like the best at like hunting for reservations and just like booking. I don't want to say the perfect day because we have children. We understand that things are messy and you, you don't always get to do things, but we just love doing it and making it great. And my hobby now is to like invite people to participate in this so that they enjoy it. Because what I've realized is, unfortunately the way disney has kind of evolved it's just not a good experience unless you're in it and you understand it and so i love to bring people along with me and say look we're gonna do disney i'm gonna do it the best experience of you like give me your top three things that absolutely we cannot miss and i will make sure those things get done but like trust me you need to do things this way because then you'll experience a disney that you want um and i don't i have no a lot of my friends have gone and just kind of you know, wanted to, to, to fly by the seat of their pants. And then it turns out it's not a good experience. So yeah, that's kind of become our hobbies right now. Just optimizing Disney experiences for people. Optimizing Disney. That's like, that sounds like the most tech thing, optimizing Disney. I also am a huge Disney fan. Me and my partner, Joe used to go all the time. And then we, we have to get passes again. The passes have gotten out of control over here. I don't know how it is over there, but it's gotten in LA for Disneyland, not Disney world. It's gotten crazy. But I love how you optimize Disney World. I gotta come over. I gotta come out to Florida to go to Disney World with you because it sounds like like a really good experience. I haven't been to Disney World since I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole it's a whole thing. We've yeah, we've been going a long time since we've I've met my husband, and it's gonna be it's it's gonna be nine years. We've been going a couple times a year. Uh, we love to celebrate kids' birthdays there because it's just just the best, you know, like I don't, um, especially with the pandemic, like we didn't have any parent friends. So it was like, well, just go to Disney world. Like that's a great thing to do. Um, so that helps. And I think, I don't know, we just love reading news about Disney and trying to figure out what to do. Like today, for example, the preview for Tron came out, we ended up not getting it because the only dates available were just, we're, we're not going to be able to make it. So rather than squatting on someone else's kind of preview, we, we gave it away, but, um, but yeah, we just love, we just love everything, everything Disney. And, and that's, that's our little hobby. 
I'm totally, totally with you on that. And, you know, just to not to make this this episode even longer, but is there I mean, is there anything that you want to share in terms of your experience as a Latina woman in this space? Um, you know, I do want to give you that platform to to share. It was just you were talking so many you were giving so many gems on other things. We just didn't get there. But is there anything like you want to share or ask or anything like that um, that you, you know, before we wrap up today? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I feel like when I first started in the space, I was very much kind of put in the Latin. She's the Latin person. Like, she knows Latin music and and that's what it is. I don't know how. I cannot give you an answer. Maybe if, like, I sat and had, like, an introspective look, I could tell you. But I, I kind of broke out of that and it became just, like, general kind of, like, just music uh, web three person. Um, and I'm happy. And that would have not been possible if I had gone in just a traditional route because everybody kept pigeonholing me in like Latin music. This is Latin thing. This is what you do. You're bilingual, you know, these markets. So why are we going to shift you out of this? Like you can't, you can't be global or you can't be Eurocentric if you're Latin. So um, that has been really exciting to see that I, I became more than just that and that people started taking my advice. So I think, yeah, I think the the one thing I would say is I did not like being pigeonholed as like the Latin person. That was not fun. And it sucked. And it wasn't necessarily just because of my last name. It's just because I worked in with some Latin musicians. And that's it. Like, it was just very easy for people to pigeonhole me that way. Um, so that's the only thing I would share. It's, it's great that like Web3 has space for everything and everyone. And I love that I have this world where I can do things in Spanish and then I can do things in English. And so it's, it's cool. It's really cool. You know, it's funny is um, that's, I think, originally how we met. I think you were giving the spaces you were you were keeping track of the spaces. And then I don't know if you added me to the Latino group. Um, there was a, there's like, uh, there's probably a few, but you added me to one of them and, and you're right. It was like kind of a thing, at, but I feel like you really did distance yourself. Not that we're not proud, um, you know, of being Latina and, and, and all those things, but it's like, you know, yeah, you can do many things. And I'm, I, did, was there anything in particular that you did to kind of get yourself out of that pigeonhole? I don't know that I did anything. I think I just kept participating and, and helping artists regardless of who they were. Um, and I think eventually it just kind of like the word got out that, you know, I was, I had a wealth of knowledge and the wealth of knowledge, even though it came from this particular side of the industry, it was applicable for everyone. Um, and I think that's, that's what matters that people need to realize that, you know, it doesn't matter. The music industry is a music industry and, and, and it'll be the same. And let me tell you all of the toxicity that I experienced, same. I've, I've heard from other people on other sides of the industry that it's the same. So, yeah. I think it's just I think it's just important that um, that we all that we all support each other through all these different things. I think it's at least like unlike I think I don't want to say before, but I think that like you said earlier, I think that as as we evolve as human beings, I think that everyone is becoming more transparent like the blockchain. <laughs> I brought it all back, but I think that we're just becoming more transparent and communicating better. Um, and that's what it's really all about. Um, is there any way that the women in tech community can support you? So I post a couple of mirror articles. I'm trying to be better about writing and writing things. So I would say if you could like share those, you know, kind of get them along, you can collect them too. Most of them are, I think for free. I think there's one that I made paid, but most of them are like for free. So I would love to just have like collectors and that way I can connect with more women um, in tech uh, and yeah, share, share, share the writings and give me a follow. I mostly follow everyone back um, unless, you know, you look like you're a bot, then I won't follow you back. But otherwise I will. And just to explain to those who are not familiar, um, Mirror is a sort of, I would compare it to um, Medium, although it does have like a newsletter component to it. And when she says collect, uh, she's talking about uh, actually like the articles themselves are collectible. Don't get mad at us, but NFTs. <laughs> but 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 really, I mean, it's it's a digital collectible. It's a it's a it's a something like you can just to support the writer, um, which is beautiful. Like, again, that's another application of the technology, because um, that's really what NFTs are. It's a technology. Is it? I think I think that was pretty much it. I've written on Mirror as well. But did you have anything else to add? Uh, stuff about that? Uh, no, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Got right? it all. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So um, and you don't need to have you don't actually have to have a wallet or anything like a Web3 wallet to read a mirror article unless unless it's gated. Right. You can gate an article if you wanted to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we'll make sure, you know, we'll uh, make sure what's your what's your mirror um, URL? Um, if you look for me, I think it's stephguerrero.eth.eth. Mm, um, okay. That's the best way to find me. Perfect. And where, where can people find you online? I'm Steph underscore Guerrero on Twitter. That's probably where I'm most active. Um, yeah, Steph Guerrero is, is probably the best way to find me. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Steph, for sharing. I mean, the, just the you have such a wide spectrum of uh, experience uh, in the entertainment industry to the tech industry. And thank you so much for sharing. I know it's going to inspire and um, encourage a lot of women that are um, just coming up in their careers or already in their careers and want need some need some encouragement, you know. Um, so thank you so much for sharing. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more incredible women around the world, remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on the socials at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Say hello to me at Felice Lizay on all of those socials as well. And I will see you in another episode. Take care and remember to always love yourself. Hi, this is Steph Guerrero, um, the CMO at Legato Labs. Our company provides NFT licensing for people who want to monetize their music beyond just selling NFTs. And I'm based in Miami, Florida, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.